Welcome to day 16 of Shaped by the Word, season 2, the drama of Scripture. And uh, the story of Scripture certainly is dramatic in, in so many ways. As we get into the life of Abram, we see a man who's willing to leave everything that's familiar to him and follow God to a land that he's unfamiliar with, to be kind of a wanderer uh, you know, among that land, never to have a, a square foot of that land, yet to believe God and to enjoy the land and to revel in the promises of God. There's certainly some doubt and there's certainly some tension in the plot. Uh, when we last uh, left Abram, he and Lot had parted ways, and that had to be a difficult process for the two who had shared so much with us uh, together. Uh, Lot uh, looks toward the plain, which looks like the Garden of Eden, but uh, kind of a sinister hint. It also looks a lot like Egypt, which had been a land of temptation. And he pitches his tent outside the city uh, you know, of Sodom, and uh, we will see him living in the city, and uh, we will see uh, the disaster of the choice that he has made, and we will see God use Abram to rescue him in the middle of that. So we come to Genesis chapter 14. Did I tell you I'm Paul Kemp here with uh, David Keefe and Kitty Kresge and Matt Kresge as we read chapter 14. Before we read, David, why don't you lift us up with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the wonderful story of redemption that your word shows us thank you so much for even the glimpses of christ here that we see in in chapter 14 of genesis as abraham rescues lot we cannot help but see the the great wonderful rescue that we've been given in christ jesus and so father thank you for your word how all of it points to jesus help our hearts to be renewed and restored in the drama of scripture help us to be shaped by the word um, to be your people in this time in this place uh, for your glory and for our joy. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Genesis 14. At that time, Amraphel, the king of Shinar, Bariach, the king of Elazar, Keterlaomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Goyim, these kings went to war against Barak, king of Solom, Birsheh, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Admah, Shimber, king of Zeboim, and king of Bela, and that is Zoar. All these latter kings joined forces in the valley of Siddim, that is the Dead Sea Valley, for twelve years they had been subject to Keterlaomer, but in the thirteenth year they rebelled. In the fourteenth year, Keterlaomer and the kings allied with him went out and defeated the Raphaites in Ashtoreth Karnaim, and the Zuzites in Ham, and the Amites in Shava Kiriathaim, and the Horites in the hill country of Sarah as far as El Paran near the desert. They turned back and went to En Mishfat, that's Kadesh, and they conquered the whole territory of the Amalekites as well as Amorites who were living in Hazion Tamar. Then the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zor, marched out and drew up their battle lines in the valley of Siddim against Keterlaomer, king of Elam, Tidal, king of Goyim, Amraphel, king of Shiner, and Ariok, king of Elisar, four kings against five. Now the valley of Siddim was full of tar pits, and when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some of the men fell into them, and the rest fled to the hills. Four kings seized the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food, and, went, went, and then they went away. They also carried off Abram's nephew Lot in his possession, since he was living in Sodom. The men who had escaped came and reported this to Abram the Hebrew. Now Abram was living near the great trees of Mamre the Amorite, a brother of Eshcol and of Anar, all of whom were allied with Abram. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out 318 men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them, and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Havad, north of Damascus. 
He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions together with the women and the other people. After Abram returned from defeating Keterleomer and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shava, that is, the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Selim, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, With raised hand I have sworn an oath to the Lord God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, that I will not accept anything belonging to you, not even a thread or the strap of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I have made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me, to Aner, Eshkel, and Mamre. Let them have their share. So we see the tragedy of... Uh, living in the plain toward the cities that are well watered. Mm -hmm. They look like Eden, which is a blessing. They also look like Egypt, which is a huge temptation. So Lot finds himself in the middle of these people. And of course, uh, these are people with kings, you know, from uh, the north, probably, you know, kings in an area of, you know, modern Turkey or Iran who have defeated them and are demanding from him tribute each year. And finally, they say, we do not want to pay the tribute. So they drop the battle lines and the mm -hmm. kings defeat them one more time and this time they they take as tribute all the people and all the possessions and are headed back to the north when word comes to abraham and he overtakes them with 318 trained men uh no telling how many other servants he had but he had 318 who were well trained in in battle which is hardly you know a lot against uh, this number of kings mm -hmm. uh, he has other men allied with him and they pursue them and they divide up and he wins a battle. Then we have a tale of two kings, mm -hmm. king of Sodom and this king of Salem. Mm -hmm. I love you know it, this chapter. It, it does it seems just like you know in light of of what we've been reading and how we're um, kind of watching this story unfold. It's like why this story? You know where is this headed? Uh, until we see that you know that promise that God gives um, Abram in Genesis twelve kind of becomes that programmatic. You know, plan unfolding and, and he reminds us you know that i will i will bless those who bless you and i will curse those who curse you and you're watching this kind of unfold in the house of you know the household of abram where he learns that his nephew lot um you know was carried off and all of a sudden now you watch abram move in and, and with 318 trained men in his household you know he, he goes to to war with these guys and i love melchizedek's words when he he shows up. He says, "And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand." That you know, we're watching this unfold, and and we're seeing not just Abram victorious over these other kings, or you know, a, a successful battle, but we're watching the Lord be faithful to His promise to Abram, but also you know, actively fighting on behalf of mm -hmm. Abram. And we're going to see that time and time again throughout the storyline of Scripture, uh, but we're watching it in Genesis 14 and towards the beginning. Um, where God is faithful to his people and faithful to his promises. No, this is not a battle that's won by uh, by sheer numbers. No. Uh, because the numbers do seem, you know, bleak and the power of these kings seems, mm. you know, to be pretty, you know, incredible. And by, by kings, we're talking about heads of city states. We're not talking about entire countries. But still, they would have had, uh, every one of them would have had at least 318 trained men with them, mm -hmm. you know, as well as, uh, 
uh, masses of their other allies and people who were forced into battle as well. So it's not a it's not a battle that's won by numbers. It's a battle in which the king of Salem recognize, you know, recognizes was uh, a deliverance of the Lord, mm-hmm. or a battle won at the hand of the Lord on behalf of mm-hmm. uh, Abram. This is one. This is this the first um, account of a battle being won by the hand of the Lord. I, I, it's the first one I can think of, but it's the first of many, right? Where um, God's people and usually God's representative, um, who is walking with the Lord, and um, his. It seems like his reaction is closely tied with 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 the Lord's will. Right, it seems that way because a lot of times we've seen people's reaction is not of the Lord, um, and it might be because they they have not been walking with Him. Anyway, all all I can say is that it seems like Abram's initial gut reaction is um, exactly what the Lord wants him to do, and um, God's hand is in it. Um, so it's interesting to to just see how um, this small group of of trained men. In the middle of the night, we're able to to do um, what normally they wouldn't be able to do because of, of the Lord. And of course, you know, as Matt has already pointed out, this is a, this is part of God's promise that uh, those who dishonor you, I will, you know, I will personally, you know, curse, and those who honor you, I will honor. And then, of course, you see the two kings, you know, one uh, one dishonoring Abraham. Uh, you know, sliding him, making demands of him, and the other, you know, coming in and bringing bread and wine. And, and of course, uh, Melchizedek is an image that's going to play a very important role, you know, in Scripture. Uh, when we get to the Psalms, uh, there's a promise to David that David, uh, David's heir will be a king forever after the order of Melchizedek, I mean, a, a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So not only a king and a priest. And of course, the writer of Hebrews sees this as ultimately fulfilled in, in Christ, who is not only our reigning king, but is also our high priest. And ironically, one who gave us bread and wine mm-hmm. as symbols of uh, his body and of his blood. So you see a covenant very early established in bread and wine, and it reminds us of the covenant you know, we have you know, that is established in bread and wine. And, and of course, the name you know, Melchizedek means uh, the king of righteousness, he is the king of Salem, which means peace. peace. Mm-hmm. And of course, in Scripture, the two of these uh, go hand in hand. We never know God's shalom, peace, or uh, his his prosperity, or the well-being that you know comes from Him, uh, apart from His righteousness. And, and of course, ultimately, that righteousness is given to us as a gift. Mm-hmm. So we have His blessing not because of our merit, but because of the merit of another, the one who brought bread and wine. Mm-hmm. And he- can definitely kind of begin seeing glimpses even in, into the future whereas lots kind of taken in to a form of captivity we, we see that's also going to happen to the people of israel who would be rescued by god's man moses and then here were lots rescued by god's man abraham ultimately pointing though right to even us taken into captivity by sin and, and by death and then ultimately being rescued by the one who would come from the order of melchizedek right the the true righteous one that brings true peace and the one that would truly rescue us, which would be Christ. And so love seeing just not only when the glimpses, obviously to Christ, but also just throughout the rest of the story as we see this being unfolded, that God is God who who rescues his people, who deeply loves his people and, and goes after his people, um, which which is a great 
reminder and a comfort we see in Christ, our ultimate rescuer. Mm-hmm. No doubt. And of course, uh, Lot has, has put himself in this you know, predicament by choosing a city he chose, by moving close to the city and then even you know, moving, moving into the city. Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, so we have become captive to our age and to the spirit of our age. And even as you see the description of Sodom as those who were you know, sinning greatly, we realize too when we see the cross, the magnitude of our own sin mm-hmm. and our need uh, for rescue as well. A fantastic chapter. Katie, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Sure. Father, thank you for um, this chapter of Scripture that we've gotten to read together. Thank you for um, meeting us here where we are. And um, I'll just praise you for your power, um, your sovereign will. And I just ask that you would align our will with yours, God. Um, would we would we not look around us and and go after the things that um, this world deems is good, but would we um, walk with you, Lord, and would we want um, want the things that you want for us? Um, would you ch- continue to change our hearts, continue to point us to your love and how you've shown us your love in Jesus? Um, thank you for your presence with us and um, for continuing to reveal your heart to us in your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.